Welcome to Uncharted Territory, a podcast that takes you on an epic adventure into a world where anything is possible. In this series, we follow the story of a fast food worker who has a passion for an RPG game. He has been playing it since... forever? But his life takes a drastic turn when a mysterious update pulls him into the game itself. As he battles for his life, he discovers secrets that will rock his world and change his fate. This is Episode 2, New Reality. With my axe in hand, I stood in front of my target, a perfectly innocent tree. The tree committed the grave sin of existing while I was in need of wood, and so it needed to be chopped down. I just had to hope that chopping it down would be as easy as it was in a video game and not realistic at all. I didn't want to spend hours chopping down trees and processing logs into usable lumber and all that. So... After taking a deep breath and hoping for the best, I swung my axe into the tree. A handful of acorns fell out of the tree as soon as I did that. That, too, was similar to how the game worked. Hitting a tree a single time was always enough to make anything inside of it fall out. Not only that, but once the acorns fell to the ground, they bounced off the ground and traveled toward me. As soon as they reached me, they disappeared, and a new message popped up. Acorn X3 added to inventory. The more like a game the world was, the better for me. With that, I swung my axe into the tree a few more times. After a total of five swings, cutting deeper into the tree's trunk each time, it worked. I chomped the tree down, as to be expected when repeatedly swinging an axe into it, regardless of how game-like the world was. Now, in the game, the tree would basically just instantly explode into a bunch of small logs. But that didn't happen. Instead, I noticed the tree falling down. No exploding. Falling. Toward me. I don't want to get crushed by a tree. So I did what any normal person would do when they saw a tree falling down toward them and jumped out of the way. However, the tree crashed into another tree on the way down, which altered its trajectory, and sent it toward me again, forcing me to desperately roll away in a panic. It was as if I was meant to die and the tree was trying everything in its power to kill me. Just like in those old movies where somebody saw the future, where everybody died, avoided the future, and then fate tried to correct things by killing people off in ridiculous ways. But I lived. The tree landed right next to where I was. Not on me, but next to me. I looked at the tree, then looked up at the sky, and let out a deep, long sigh just before the tree exploded. Fortunately, it didn't explode in an outward way. It was more like the tree imploded, if anything. And thanks to its implosion, it got converted into dozens of smaller wooden logs that were all automatically put into my inventory, alongside some more acorns that fell with the tree. 
Acorns X5 added to inventory. Wooden log X23 added to inventory. The world behaved differently from the game in the sense that the tree actually fell instead of just exploding into logs first, but the end result was ultimately the same, albeit with far more terror thrown into the process. And then, just like always after chopping down a tree on a new character, an achievement window popped up. New achievement! Who needs nature? Awarded for cutting down a tree. Nobody cares about trees, right? Reward. Wooden log. X-50. Everything looked the same as usual there, except for getting a reward. There weren't any rewards tied to achievements in the game. Sure, it was just some more wood, but what about future, more difficult achievements? What were they going to potentially give me? And the more things that were different from the game I was used to, the more curious I grew about what sort of other differences there would be. For the time being, though, I went ahead and chopped down a few more trees until I felt like I had enough wood. Ten or so trees were usually more than enough to create a small house, a table, chair, workbench, and door. Though, I was still going to need some torches for light if we didn't want to be stuck in the dark as soon as it turned at night. And the way torches were made was typically by combining wood and slime. And slime was acquired from, well, slimes. And slime was acquired from slimes by killing them. I never killed anything before. I never even got into a fight before. The closest I ever came to being involved in any sort of violence was when a customer threatened to kick my ass because one of my co-workers messed up his order. And given that he looked like a bodybuilder, and I was, well, just some guy, I probably would have had my ass absolutely handed to me. But all I had to kill was a slime. As long as the world wasn't set to the highest difficulty or anything, I would probably be fine. On the lowest difficulty, you had to purposely mess up to get killed by a slime. On the highest difficulty, two hits from a slime at the start could kill you. Did I even have a health bar or anything? I did! I managed to subconsciously ignore it before, apparently. Not to pat myself on the back too much or anything, but I got so good at the game that I never needed to look at my health, since I just never got hit in the first place. So, my brain got trained to ignore the health bar. But when I looked at the top right of my vision, I noticed that I had a row of hearts sitting up there with a total of 100 health. No mana yet, though. There was even a mini-map! My brain apparently got pretty good at filtering out information it didn't think it needed. I was going to have to train it to actually pay attention to those things again. But for now, it was time to try and kill a slime. I just needed to remind myself that I was killing an unfeeling monster without a life of its own from a video game. It wasn't like I was about to murder some poor, innocent creature with a family. Right? 
For the sake of my sanity, I decided that slimes did not, in fact, have families, and that they just appeared out of nowhere and were no more alive than rocks. Before approaching the slime, I did what most people would do when starting a new character, and opened up my inventory to see if a crafting menu would show up now that I had a bunch of wood in my inventory. Thankfully, I did. And within that crafting menu was the trusty wooden workbench. It cost me fifteen wooden logs to make, and crafting it was as simple as making the mental decision to do so. Once I did, it showed up in my inventory and I was able to drag it out of there, which resulted in it falling onto the ground in front of me. As soon as it landed on the ground, it counted as being a crafting station within my reach, so even more crafting options opened up for me. I was going to need to chop down some more trees if I wanted to get myself some armor and a better weapon first, but that was all right. By the end of crafting myself a wooden vest, wooden boots, wooden helmet, and a wooden broadsword, I went from 145 wooden logs down to only 35 left. However, each piece of wooden armor gave me a point of defense each. The wooden sword was pretty much worse in every single way aside from being bigger than the copper sword, but I preferred being able to attack from a safer distance. Then, upon equipping all the armor, I got a new achievement. One that wasn't in the original game, either. New Achievement! Gearing Up! Awarded for filling all armor slots for the first time. Hopefully it's not only wooden armor. Reward! Basic Armor Sphere! I felt like I was being sassed when I read the description for the achievement. But what was more important than that was the basic armor sphere item. That wasn't an item that existed in the game. So I did what any curious gamer would do and checked out the item's description. Basic Armor Sphere Provides a minor improvement to an armor piece's defense rating. Huh, I said to myself. Then, just to experiment with it, I tried dragging the armor sphere over onto my wooden vest. And as soon as I mentally let go of it while it was over my armor, it disappeared, and the wooden vest became wooden vest plus one. It only hit me afterward that I probably should have been a bit more reserved in using what might have been a limited item that I had no idea how to get more of— but I never was one of those gamers who stockpiled everything until the end of the game. Items existed to be used, after all, not hoarded. Though some hoarding was useful. It was probably even more useful when teleported into a game world where survival was at risk. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have used it so easily. That aside... I opened up its description just to confirm what I believed happened. Wooden vest plus one. Middle. Defense, two. Yep. Surely enough, the defense was increased from one to two, giving me a total of four defense when combined with the boots. That were more than just boots, since they covered my entire legs as well. Just like most bottom armor pieces in the game. And the helmet. I also noticed while hovering over the armor that there was an active set bonus, which wasn't included in the original game either. 
Well, the game always had set bonuses for armors, but that was usually for the more advanced armor sets, not the basic starting armor sets. Wooden armor set bonus. Trees are 25% more likely to drop items when hitting them. I wasn't sure how useful that would be, but I wasn't going to complain about an easy bonus. Then, while in the inventory, I had an idea. On the game's easiest world setting, a character could equip up to four accessories. On the higher difficulty option, that could be expanded to five slots by using a special item that dropped from a boss. But I would have no way of knowing if that was the case or not until it dropped and I was nowhere near that point. On the hardest difficulty level, however, characters started off with five accessory slots available, which could then be expanded to six. In theory, I would be able to figure out just how difficult life was going to be by how many accessory slots were available by default. So, I counted them. One, two, three... Four, five. There were five accessory slots unlocked by default. I was officially on the world's hardest difficulty, as far as I could tell. That meant the slime up above could kill me in just a couple of hits if I wasn't careful. As much as I felt nervous about potentially getting killed by the slime, I had no other option. I approached the slime with my sword drawn. As soon as I got close enough to it, it turned to look at me and began hopping toward me. I was only able to move by hopping, and it only hopped every three seconds. So that meant I would theoretically have a three-second window to deal damage without it trying to defend itself or attack me. Rather than rush up to the slime like an over-eager idiot, I waited for the slime to come to me. There was no rush, and watching it approach gave me a good sense of just how far it could move with every hop. If anything, once it got close enough to me, I backed away from it, but not without good reason. And that reason was that the next time it hopped toward me, it landed directly in front of me. Had I stayed still, I would have either been hit or forced to try and hit it while it was mid-jump, and I didn't have faith in myself to smack it out of the air with my sword. But now? Now it was on the ground, right in front of my feet. The slime was only tall enough for the top of its round, blobby body to reach my waist, so I had to swing downward to try and hit it. Or, really, there was no try about it. The slime put zero effort into dodging out of the way. All it did was stay still, its jiggly form wobbling still after hopping, and let me swing my wooden sword right into its gelatinous body. And then, just as dramatically as it would happen in the game, the slime got knocked away from me. Its entire body got bumped up into the air and was pushed a couple feet back but it bounced at me immediately after. It should have been able to hit me, but I stepped back just far enough for the slime to land directly in front of me again. It was as if my muscle memory carried over from the game. 
even though all I did before was press the A or D key to strafe while swinging my sword. I moved backward with my actual body without even meaning to. That meant I had the perfect opportunity to hit the slime again, knocking it back once more. And this time, since I was a bit more relaxed, having discovered what was apparently muscle reflex protecting me, I noticed that a damage number floated up over the slime's body. Given that the slime was green, and I was in a world similar to the game's highest difficulty setting, then that meant it had around 40 health. My second attack there did three points of damage, which matched the sword's default damage value. Against an enemy with no defense like a slime, my sword, with its three points of default damage, would fluctuate around three damage with each attack, depending on luck. Being two attacks in meant that I had to hit it around twelve more times to kill it. Luck meant it might die sooner or later than that, but twelve more hits would be the average without any critical hits, and given that the slime was pretty easy to handle, I decided to experiment a little. I needed to figure out how the world worked to the best of my ability if I wanted to increase my chances of survival as much as I could. That was why I decided to experiment with attacking the slime in a few different ways, other than swinging my sword at it as hard as I could. For example, I thrust my sword at it. In the original game, each weapon basically only had a single attack animation to go with it. Short swords were always thrust only. Bigger swords were always swung from over the head down toward the enemy. There was never any crossing over there due to not needing to invest in multiple attack animations per weapon when one did the trick. But I wasn't literally in a game, as far as I could tell. My body wasn't limited to strictly swinging the sword in one specific way. So, what would happen if I thrust a sword into an enemy instead? The result was that it did damage just like normal. But what if I tried to swing or thrust with barely any effort? What if I just poked the sword against the slime? Or what if I bumped the flat side against the slime? In the game, damage dealt was based on physically connecting with the enemy. It was mostly contact damage, outside of a few damage-over-time effects that could be applied. If that was the case, then even just gently poking my sword against the slime should hurt it. Yet, no damage number popped up when I tried that. Gently poking the slime with the sword's tip didn't work. Giving it a soft whack with the flat side of the sword didn't work either. That meant it wasn't like I was in some virtual reality game where all I had to do was technically touch an opponent with my weapon to hurt them. Now, in the same way, coming into contact with the slime using my body should hurt me. If I were to do something like kick the slime with my foot, then that would normally hurt me due to my body's hitbox coming into contact with the slime's body. I looked around first to make sure there weren't any enemies who would try ambushing me before deciding to experiment with my own health. I was clear, so that meant I was safe enough to experiment. So I kicked the slime. Despite kicking the slime as hard as I could, I did zero damage to it, 
and didn't even knock it back at all. But I also didn't take any damage. In that case, it seemed like I had to actually get attacked with intent to take damage. And in that case, it would be best to discover how pain and health regeneration worked while I was still only against a single slime. So, following a deep breath, I braced myself and stood still to give the slime a chance to jump at me. The slime basically thrust its entire body at me by bouncing upward, crashing into my chest, and knocking me away just as dramatically as I had been knocking it back. And even though it was just a slime, meaning that it was basically like getting hit by a giant squishy water balloon, it hurt. It hurt really bad. It was just a single impact, yet I felt like somebody punched me as hard as they could in my chest. Then, upon looking at my heart, I saw that I lost an entire heart's worth of health. Each heart represented twenty health, which meant that the slime did around that amount, which sounded right. That meant just having the weakest enemy in the game bounce into me five times would be enough to kill me. You look soft, but you seriously pack a punch, don't you? I asked the slime. Or, I guess you pack a jump? Whatever, technicalities are no fun. Admittedly, getting attacked so painfully by the slime made me feel way less guilty about having to kill it. There was no question about it. The slime wanted to kill me. If that was the case then I had no problem killing it first. So, we danced. I'd swing my sword into the slime, step back, wait for it to land in front of me again, and then repeat the process until I estimated that there was only a single hit left until its death. The early game was nice and systematic like that. Of course, later on in the game, once things involved flying, bullet hell bosses, giant robots, and laser beams... Literal gods, machine guns, and spaceships, and crazy homing magic capable of destroying everything it touched? Uh, Things got a lot more complicated. But for now, all I had to do was swing, step back, wait, and swing again. My final swing caused the slime to explode into several chunks of slime, and a couple smaller pieces of slime got automatically sucked into my inventory, thanks to how close I was to them. Slime X3 added to inventory. Copper coin X8 added to inventory. A new achievement popped up to congratulate me for my victory, too. New achievement. Monster Hunter. Awarded for killing your first monster. And so... Your path of destruction begins. Reward. Basic Weapon Sphere. If the Armor Sphere increased my armor's defense rating, then it was obvious to assume the Weapon Sphere would increase my weapon's damage. Unfortunately, I couldn't get too excited about that, considering I just noticed very, very bad news. Character creation and world creation were different things, obviously. World creation had three difficulty levels, 
And this was the difficulty that affected things like monster spawn rates, monster stats, drops, accessory slots, and so on. I already figured out I was on the highest difficulty setting for the world. Character difficulty was separate. There was the creative difficulty, which meant that a character was basically immortal and had an infinite number of supplies to build with, which I already ruled out. There were three options aside from that. The default option was dropping money on death. Then there was the option for dropping all money and items, weapons, and armor on death. Then there was permadeath. All death was permanent. Dying even once meant game over. Choosing permadeath also unlocked an optional true survival setting, while the other difficulties had the more casual survival option. Opting into true survival meant that there was no natural health regeneration, on top of the fact that all death, including for NPCs and tamed pets, was permanent. It also required food and water to be consumed at least once a day to avoid receiving debuffs that would eventually kill the player. The community lovingly referred to it as masochist mode. Most people thought it increased the game's difficulty in such an unfair way that it wasn't even fun anymore. Even I avoided playing with those options because I don't want to completely start over just because I died from something stupid. And that bad news, I noticed? I wasn't regenerating any health. If I worked with what knowledge I had available to me, then there was only one conclusion for me to jump to with that knowledge. And it was that, basically, I was playing on the absolute hardest character difficulty on the world's hardest difficulty setting. That meant permadeath. So, given that I was seemingly in a real world that was just like the game, and permadeath was enabled, what would happen to me if I died? Thank you for joining us on another thrilling adventure of Uncharted Territory. The excitement, danger, and magic of Uncharted Territory continues to unfold, and we can't wait to share what's in store for our next episode. So, Mark your calendars because next Friday, we'll dive back into the game world for more action, mystery, and unexpected twists. Before we part ways, remember that your feedback and support keep this journey alive. If you have any questions, comments, or fan theories, tweet at us at utpod-we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep exploring!